Good morning. It's a little switch up this morning, right? Well, I'm honored and excited to be sharing with y'all. I hope y'all had a, a great Thanksgiving. Um, hope y'all had a good time spending time with family and, and loved ones and, and friends. Um, excuse me if I say um a couple times, all right? I don't do this every Sunday. <laughs> and I'm out of pocket right now for not having a, a sports jacket on. So please forgive me for that as well. All right. <laughs> Had to keep y'all guessing this morning on who's speaking. But um, no, I'm excited today, man. We'll be we'll be going into Colossians chapter one uh, this morning, verses one through 14. And on this topic of, of Thanksgiving, oftentimes we're when asked, what are we thankful for? We, we think of our family and what material thing we have that comes with a, a price tag on it. There's so many things we even we deem as small in life and they often get overlooked. I'm actually reminded of the, the conversation I had with my grandmother this, this past week on, you know, on Thanksgiving. And she was just saying, you know what, if you get to see my age at 80 years old, by the grace of God, she's 80 now. Remember to give God praise. She said, I wake up every morning and I look outside and I'm just reminded of God's goodness and his faithfulness and just simply keeping me alive, keeping me in my, my right mind. I remember growing up in the old saints or the seasoned saints, excuse me won't call them old, the seasoned saints would always just say, thank God for just keeping my right mind. Allow me to remember who he is. Allow me to remember who people's names are. Honestly, my grandma would call me every other name. Um, but anyway, my grandmother said, you know, you just wake up thanking God. And if the Lord wills, you know, you make sure you do the same. Just thank God for the small things in life that he's blessed you with. And so that was such an encouragement to hear her. She's my only my last surviving grandparent. But she continues to give God praise and honor. And I know for me, if the Lord wills, I, I pray I can do the same. I pray that you can do the same. I know some people's Thanksgivings were great. Um, some people's wasn't. It was, it was hard. It was rough uh, going through family situations and issues, different things of that nature. But I pray that this message, this devotional on thankfulness, this sermon would encourage everybody, though, in the same. So may the Lord's will be done. Um, I know there's areas where we lack in showing thankfulness at times. It's not that we don't know what the Webster's word defines it as, but today it's focused on the heart and the meaning that will focus on mainly the cause and effects of thankfulness. Thankfulness not being just a word, but an action and how we honor God through us giving thanks. As thankfulness comes in many forms, words, responses, and faithfulness, and, and how we worship one way that we can respond specifically is for our love for one another. Being thankful for how God has allowed us to be a part of his body in his body of believers and having a common bond and unity. That's where the word community comes from, common unity. And that's made possible because of what Jesus Christ has done, him and him crucified. So we praise God for that. And we'll be digging into the text once again. Um, Colossians chapter one, verses one through 14 And if you don't have a Bible, yeah, thank you, Lord. I almost forgot. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat in front of you, and you can turn that to page 983. And once again, that Bible, if it hasn't been said, that Bible is yours to keep. The only thing we ask is that you would read it daily would be a great thing as well. So Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, we'll be digging in the text on Thanksgiving for that. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, 
Grace to you and peace from God, our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, is indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also, excuse me, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Praise God for that. Let's pray. Father, once again, we give you thanks in all things, Lord. May your word be heard, Lord. May hearts be softened to your word, Lord. May the body of Christ here today be encouraged. May those that don't know you be exposed to your truth, your beauty, your goodness, Lord God. Thank you for making a way for us, Lord, through your son. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, my strength my Redeemer, may they see you when they hear these words, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the scripture reading this morning, I had him read because it ties in with the same thing as we see here in Colossians. This is a consistent theme that we see with Paul in his letters to the churches on the intro. Paul's words in Colossians 1 specifically, of giving thanks, being thankful isn't some light. Oh, oh, thank you as if somebody was just holding the door for him at a store. This thankfulness boasts and brags on the people of God and also the one, Jesus Christ, who is the door back to the Father. This thankfulness spoken of is meditative. He's reminding them of the great love they have displayed to one another as well as Christ has loved them. That's their motivation and their inspiration. And so we see this, Paul, it's being said even in, we're going through, uh, my fault, Point number one, (laughs) encouraging y'all to stay devoted in thankfulness and rejoicing as thankfulness and rejoicing brings glory to God. Stay devoted in thankfulness and rejoicing as thankfulness and rejoicing brings glory to God. Here in verse three through eight, we see how the apostle Paul, he starts it off. He says, we always thank God, the father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you and is indeed in the whole world. It is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our brother, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to you 
to us your love and the spirit. Here the apostle Paul, while it's said to be he was in prison, points out the fact that him and his disciple and companion Timothy heard of the people's faith in Christ Jesus and the love they had for all the saints through the fellow servant named Epaphras. So Paul writes to encourage the people of Colossae of the progress of their faith and that their reasoning was because of the hope laid up for them in heaven. Paul speaks to them as family, seeing them as brothers and sisters in the faith, seeing it as worth speaking to them and writing to them this way because their confidence and hope was in a heavenly inheritance and not on earthly possessions. That's not how we started his letter off either. Here he's expressing his gratitude for their desire to live for Jesus. People filled with the Holy Spirit. At that time, we know this because later on in chapter two, we see that they're up against some different things. Paul encourages them not to be swayed from the faith by false teachings and philosophies that have nothing to do with Christ. And at that time, that's what was happening. There were a lot of philosophies and and teachings and false teachers rising up. So he didn't leave them stranded and left alone for dead in their tracks. Rather, he spent time through the spirit of God to write to God's people. And their foundation was set on certainty that Christ of what Christ has done for them through the gospel. Because the hope they had in the gospel, they were encouraged and motivated to walk in that way of faith in Jesus. With, it, it, it naturally resulted in their love for one another because of their faith. It was a natural occurrence. They had the hope unseen yet certain. And this is that, that bearing of fruit that it talks about, the bearing of fruit and increasing. You could tell that Paul spent time with God by how they, he spoke to them with such humility. Paul loves the Lord deeply which in return caused him to love God's people, seeing them as gifts and not burdens. How often many times do we have to fight in our own minds and seeing people that same way in the body of Christ? He didn't deem them as small. The thing is, do we honor and value people of God enough to even thank God for them as well, the same way Paul did? Do we thank God for sending those people in our lives? who love Jesus, who encourage us, who spur us on in the faith. Paul doesn't take this relationship with them lightly. Paul's excitement and thankfulness didn't come from his own possessions that he talked about, yet his prized possessions were found in the workings of what Jesus had done. And here specifically, the changed lives of the saints. So I love how Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, would start off his letters by thanking God for other believers looking beyond himself in order to serve others. Paul recognized that his fellowship with the church wasn't some random thing either. It was ordained and orchestrated by God. He looked beyond himself once again and boasted in what God had did for them at the church in Colossae. His abundant joy gave him strength to continue to press on. Like I said, as it was said that there's a possibility he was in chains at this time. Paul recognizes salvation. Salvation for the saints is also a product of God's grace. And everything we have and are able to do, and even the relationships we have, are indeed products of God's grace. That we often should, we should often sometimes reflect on and give God thanks for. Nothing we have comes or happens outside of God anyway. Right? In the book of James, it tells us every good and perfect gift comes from above. It comes from God. And that's a much needed gift, this sweet fellowship. And indeed, they had the fellowship also in Psalm 133. It says, behold, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. We have this perfection in the sense of this good gift because Christ is in the midst. Christ is the perfection aspect of that good gift. 
So I love how Paul highlights their unity. He's refreshing the saints with encouragement to give thanks. As it's encouraging to others when we remember them as being the blessings they are to us. And so Paul's encouraging the people. I just love his humility. And that's one of the main things God has been showing me this time of of studying. And it brings me to this aspect as well. Continue on being imitators of Christ with all humility. Point number two. Verse nine, it says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Continue on being imitators of Christ with all humility. On the contrary of this, I, this takes me back and re- reminded of the people of Israel who were so self-consumed and quickly forgot the blessings of God, especially when they were freed from slavery in Egypt. They murmured and complained and they, when they couldn't get their way, instead of giving God glory with their hearts of gratitude and thankfulness. And if they were doing it to God, I'm sure they were probably doing it amongst each other. And we do see examples of that as well. Ungratefulness led them to straying and praising false idols. They didn't meditate on the goodness of God and they quickly forgot that what they were saved from. I encourage us this morning to remember what God has done for you in your life, namely saving you from the penalty of sin. My preparation, it took me to Deuteronomy chapter eight, where we see Moses reminding the people to be careful in what you do and how you live and to remember the whole way that the Lord, your God, has led you. He has provided for you, brought you into good land and brooks of water, fountains of springs, wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, honey and land where you will lack nothing. He said, don't forget when you have eaten and are full, have built houses and live in them. And your herds and flocks, silver and gold is multiplied. Everything else you have is multiplied. This is who God, that it was God that did the multiplying. With all the multiplying, all the things you have, not forgetting that it's God that's doing the work. So in our relationships, This is a God thing. This is orchestrated by God. And everything you have, it's a God thing. It's him doing the multiplying. And Moses was warning the people back in Deuteronomy chapter 8. And and he also went on and says, And you shall bless the Lord your God. Beware lest you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. And if you go after other gods and worship them, you will surely perish. It is God who has done all things on our behalf, and it's to him be all the glory. So church family, I want to encourage y'all, don't rob God of his glory in all things. Let go of the feelings of entitlement and personal praise because it's God who's worthy of all the praise and he deserves it. And we can do nothing without, the Bible says it's his right hand that upholds us. And I'm speaking for myself as well. You might even feel as though you have a good life and Things just feel great, but may you keep the same perspective, that perspective on a king and walk in humility. As we've all seen the best, have it all and lose it all. Consider your heart and where that is right now. Be reminded that everything comes from the Father. Any comfort you have is because of the grace and mercy of God in him alone. Give thanks for your own 
personal, it wasn't your own personal strength and knowledge. Give him thanks. To him be the glory. Also being, being content in that thing as well. Being content in Christ alone. Thankfulness is a sign of, of humility as we look beyond ourselves once again. I know we have the blessings of vehicles, a home, the ability to take vacations, food and clothing are amazing. But once again, where are our hearts? Is it God who should be praised or we do, we, do we praise ourselves for our own accomplishments? The more we thank God and fix our eyes on thanking God and ways to thank God for what we have, the less attachment we actually have on these things that would ultimately perish. Once again, this is the grace of God. There's a phrase that my buddy would say. He said, it's cool to have things, but don't let things have you. Let Christ have your heart. We often forget as well when we sleep on the benefits of showing gratitude and thankfulness to God as well. As Thanksgiving is a lifestyle for those in Christ Jesus, and we don't need to be reminded on a, a holiday as there's scriptures to show us and tell us to always be thankful and all things rejoice. We're not entitled to anything, yet God in his grace provides every blessing, physically, tangibly, but also some of those blessings aren't necessarily, necessarily tangible either. He also gives us peace, joy, strength, love, hope, and power and dominion over sin. And we often look over that as well, and we should thank God for that. A thankful heart causes us to act in a way that pleases God. There's a ripple effect that comes with a heart of thanksgiving and rejoicing. We're reminded of who God is and all that he has done for us when we stay in the scriptures, where we see and remember his true nature, not who we make him up to be in times of trouble, but who he says he is in his actual word. That's where we can begin to thank God when we see a psalm like Psalm 103, which is actually we're going through that in our prayers with, the, with, the, with our fellowship these different Sundays. And that's one of my favorite psalms where David says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Then he begins to thank God and go down a list of these amazing attributes of God who heals our diseases, who forgives all of our sins, redeems your life from the pit. And later he says, who doesn't treat our sins as they deserve. So there are so many benefits with living a life of gratitude and thankfulness to God. It brings liberation. It helps remove tension and stress, disbelief and anxieties when we fix our eyes on God's and take the attention of us off of us and our failures and our fears and weaknesses. And we begin to brag on the power of Christ that can save us from all things. Thankfulness increases our faith and leads us to contentment as godliness with contentment is what is great gain. Giving thanks also refreshes the saints with encouragement, as we see here with Paul, considering others above himself. It reminds us, thankfulness reminds us that of what great value we have in knowing the king. Thankfulness to God causes us to also share of the goodness of God because of his saving and transformative power that has changed our hearts. As the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So from our hearts through our lips, we speak of the good news of the gospel. And we show thankfulness to God as well, whether it's speaking to the lost or encouraging others in the faith. Giving thanks to God will keep you also from stumbling and falling. Once again, taking our eyes off of self and fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Our lack of showing thankfulness often comes from our lack of knowing and understanding God, that it's God doing the work. We give credit once again to ourselves. 
There's many times we go into our prayer closet and we pray for miracles and circumstances to change or a major physical blessing. And as soon as we get it, we're excited, yet we don't give God thanks or glory for what he's done a lot of times. I know I'm guilty of that, right? Anybody else? I'm alone? Okay. (laughs) Amen. It's cool. Y'all are perfect. It's all right. But this is the thing we, we, uh, we don't do with what the young people say right now. I'm still young, too, but what a lot of the youth say, yo, you don't, you don't keep that same energy, fam. <laughs> you don't keep that same energy. We come to them in prayer, but we don't boast and brag on them as much after what he's done for us. We don't come to them in prayer the same way as we did when we had a need. Until the next trial, we give lackluster attention and praise to him. It's been said, many are the requests, but few are the thanks. How many times do we beg God for a prayer to be answered? Then he answers, and then we barely thank him or acknowledge him at all until that next need is desired. Unfortunately, our thanks to God is is limited when the need is met. And it's because our perspectives are off oftentimes in the way that we respond. But once again, we don't have to wait till Sunday in order to be reminded. We have daily access to this holy and righteous God. We have access to glorify him daily. Once again, it's not our hand or our work that's doing these things and giving us these blessings. In fact, it comes from the Heavenly Father above, which is one of the reasons we're reminded to keep our minds on things above. Our thoughts impact impact our behaviors. If our mind isn't that of Philippians 4.8, where it states, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Then we'll, we'll be able to stand firm against sin. We're blessed beyond that next prayer answered. So once again, there are so many benefits to praising God and thanking him showing a life and living a life of gratitude. It's in him and because of him that we can live and move and have our being. He's worth our time, attention with daily gratitude, saying thanks be to God for waking you up this morning. Once again, we overlook that. We just kind of go on with our daily lives and forget to give God glory and thanks. But thanks be to God for reminding us, which brings me to my point number three. Simply put, thanks be to God for Jesus. for reminding us. Verse 13, it goes, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul here is encouraging them once again, the people of Colossae, y'all are changed, don't get caught up. This is a reminder, continue to walk in that same love that you had. And most importantly, God has met our needs in the form of the blessing of salvation. They're reminded, just as we are today, that we, they were and we are free from and saved from the domain of darkness. Our agendas here on earth are now kingdom driven, redeemed and forgiven from all sins and which separated us from the father. The one who was truly God and truly man, who was since the beginning. And this is for non-believers as well to understand and know this. The one who is truly God and truly man, who was there since the beginning, the word 
that became flesh, who, who came down in all humility, lived a perfect life of righteousness, would then be falsely accused and spit on and mocked by those he created, yet he still chose to lay his life down. We deserve death, yet God in his love sends his only begotten son to die on the cross as a sacrifice for our filth, our mess, our sin. And he would die on an old rugged cross and he was also buried. But keep in mind, the same God man didn't stay down because historical account, in fact, is that he also rose from the grave, defeating death and sin. It's crazy. Other religions even believe in Jesus dying and being uh, rising from the grave. But you can't just take one part of it. you got to take it all. And guess what? He did this for all of us because God so loved the world, it says. I love that emphasis on so. He so richly loved the world that he gave his only son. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a reason to thank God each and every day. Death no longer has dominion over us. Fear, doubt, anxiety, and ungratefulness no longer have power over us. All because of what Christ has done for us, the root of our thankfulness and the root of their thankfulness in the book of Colossians chapter one specifically or Colossians in general was only found in what Jesus had done by giving his life up on the cross, satisfying the wrath of God by becoming a sacrificial lamb. His life wasn't taken. He laid it down. Once again, we're saved not by our works or our own self-righteousness, so we can't praise ourselves as our righteousness is that of filthy rags, the Bible says. But we're now covered and cleansed through the precious blood of Christ and his righteousness. And to that, we can say hallelujah and amen with all humility and thankfulness. So let's not forget that we don't have to wait once again. We don't have to wait till we're around family and put on a face and put on an act to speak of the thankfulness and and praise God and share that truth. Yes, the world may need reminders on calendars and timers to tell them when and how to show gratefulness. But those that are in Christ, this is in us. This is built in the fabric of our new nature now. This is who we are. This is what we're called to do. Praise God. Jesus Christ is the cause and the source. He should be the cause and source of our thankfulness. We don't need to wait till Easter or Good Friday or Resurrection Sunday to remember or get serious about Christ's death and his glorious resurrection. If we stay in the word of God and through prayer and fellowship of the believers, we can accomplish this. It's a blessing to be at a church where every Sunday we get to hear the gospel. We get to hear the truth and be rooted in the word of God encouraged to stay the course. We can show thankfulness by thanking God for his word. We don't even honor and cherish this a lot of times. In other countries, this is illegal. Thank God for his word. Instructions on how to live, on how to move. I know some people might even be sitting here and saying, Josh, it's cool. I already do all these things. I already know. Well, the apostle Paul, he also wrote to the church and Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that he doesn't need to write to them about love. For they already been taught by God already to do so. But I want to encourage you and urge you, brothers and sisters, to do it more and more. So even myself this morning, if you already think you have this mindset and this walk of thankfulness and gratitude towards God, like, yeah, I, already, I, I do my thing. First and foremost, you're not perfect. God is. 
And we need his grace to move forward and, and do these things. But I want to encourage you to rejoice more. Don't settle. Doesn't matter your age. Don't settle. Continue to rejoice in the Lord. Continue to be that example. Some words of comfort for those that might even be hurting or struggling right now. I'm not saying this, you know, not, I'm not, tell, I'm not telling you to pretend or act like problems don't exist. Like I said, some of y'all may have not had the most grand Thanksgiving. So we're not glazing over these situations as, as if it's something light. Some of these situations you've gone through or are going through with family or other circumstances in life, they are indeed heavy. But I want to encourage you to see the goodness and grace of God through them. And cast your burdens on Jesus for he cares on you. How many times do we try to take matters into our own hands? But if we would cast our cares on God and trust in him, it would lead us to a life of thankfulness and praise. Even before we see ourselves get through whatever we're going through, we can still worship and honor Lord, honor the Lord. I know myself and my family, we've even been through some challenging times, just like everybody else may have or And we needed heavy prayer where our souls were downcast and overwhelmed. And we even cried tears of sadness and uncertainty. But by the grace of God, he's put encouragement around us through the body of Christ in various ways to walk beside us, pray for us and with us. And those tears of sadness were turned into tears of gratitude and joy. Looking to the hills from where comes our help. Thankfulness to God being with us. Being reminded, just like the people in Colossae, they were encouraging one another and loving one another. They had that support system. We should be that as the body of Christ as well. Thankfulness that God is with us. Emmanuel, God with us, right? God is with you. Continue to thank him. He's our help. And these situations and circumstances, once again, are all orchestrated and ordered to draw you nearer to Christ. No matter what you're going through, sometimes it's hard to pray a lot of times. But even if you can lift your voice and say, Lord, I don't even know what's going on right now. I don't know where to start, but I know you're here. Thank you. In all things, Lord, I'll give thanks. Allow the word of God and giving thanks, allow it to excite you and fill you with joy and thanks to the king because you no longer have to walk around as a person with no hope because our God is alive and he's well. He's risen from the grave, defeating death, and we have this power of eternal life now, right? The thing is, our perspective will change to this as we continue to grow and mature as we say in his word, rejoicing in the midst of circumstances with, by God's grace, May God get the glory out of all of our lives. This is what truly matters when it's all said and done anyway. Also, rejoicing always isn't a suggestion. It's a command. It says rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Always. So praise God. Some of us are dealing with sickness or family sickness. Some have lost jobs. You experience turmoil at the workplace, layoffs as I was earlier this year. Or at schools, there's even some trials. Some have issues, once again, with family member members. But continue to fight the good fight of faith, as Paul said, right? This thing is a fight. This isn't some easy cakewalk it's for Christians. Even our love for one another sometimes is challenging. 
It's not an easy, an, an easy thing. But continue to fight the good fight of faith, like Paul tells us, right? And that will also change our perspective in Christ and his finished work. Word of God says also, the righteous man goes through many trials. But what? But the Lord delivers them through them all. He delivers them through them all. I'm going to end on this note right here with a quote from David Gibson. And he says, Christ can forgive and make righteous. He has completed Adam's work, fulfilled his mandate, restored what was lost, paid what was due, borne the curse. And so creation and creatures will again one day enter our perfect Sabbath rest. This is great news. And we thank God for the hope that we can walk in. More encouragement is that may we never grow grow weary in well-doing either or grow tired in our expression for thankfulness of God's people. Thankfulness for what Christ has done. He died for us. He rose from the grave. He's alive and well, which is why we have life beyond the grave as well. He's matchless. Even when life gets real and it gets real, God is with us in the midst of it. Continue to go and share with others while you're thankful. Forgive others. Walk beside others, just as the people of Colossae did. They were a great example to Paul, to the fact where he had to write them and say, I already heard of you. Continue to walk in that manner worthy of Christ as he's delivered us from the domain of darkness, transferred us into his kingdom of his beloved son and who we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. So may this sermon encourage y'all this morning on, on this topic of thankfulness and we can pray. Father, we give you thanks for all you do for us, God. Thank you for your amazing grace. Lord, there's no guilt or, con- guilt or condemnation. There's freedom, forgiveness, and the ability to repent each day and remind us through your word. God, continue to keep us on track as we long for you and your return. You're the author and finisher of our faith, Lord. Help our perspectives on thankfulness to be consistent to look to you each day with thankfulness, with joyous hearts, even when it gets real. Help us to sincerely and consistently say thank you. Praise God. Help us to walk with confidence and certainty because of the God we serve. It's you who is mighty. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords. And Father, we give you thanks in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.